0: God, I thank you that you are here. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you taught us about God the Father, a good Father who gives good gifts, the rewarder of those who diligently seeks Him. Daddy God, I thank you that you are who you said you are. God the Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with us now today, and we ask for your help as we turn to the Scripture to understand what we read and to understand what we should do about it. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, this morning is our fourth of five messages in our series entitled Faith Works. We've been walking through the letter from James, the co-pastor of the Jerusalem Church, one of the 12 followers of Jesus. And we're looking in particular about how James gives us very specific help in how to put into practice the words of Jesus. On this screen, you'll see the outline that we have been using, which I've emailed out to everyone, is also available on the notes found at cityharborchurch.com slash messages. You see, in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 21, we started off our first Sunday with faith seen in growth. The second Sunday, we looked at James chapter 1, verses 22 through chapter 2 and verse 26, faith seen in works. In our third Sunday, we looked at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, or all of chapter 3, faith seen in words. Today, uh, sorry, last Sunday, James chapter 4 through chapter 5 and verse 6, faith seen in purity. Today, we are looking at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, shortest section so far, faith seen in patience. I know some of you already think I'm cursing when I say that word. Next Sunday, we will be looking at faith seen in prayer as we wrap it up. And so maybe you are following along with the notes or with the reading throughout the week. Um, Hopefully that has been a little bit more helpful to you, kind of sinking your teeth into the text and what God has to say for us, because I believe that the Word of God is alive. Because I believe God is alive and aware of us of what's going on able to do something and already at work. Thank you. Rebecca for that. Amen. I believe it. But we're looking at the fact the two words that are used most in the letter are faith works. And they're really a result of this life-changing transformation that happens when I choose to believe that Jesus is as described the savior And I receive his love and I receive power in that relationship. And then when my faith takes action, it's like a pine cone, which is the natural result of a healthy tree. It's not a to-do list so that you can become a better person or become more approved by God or better liked by other Jesus followers. No, it's just a result. It's an it's a, a result that can't be helped when our faith takes action. Uh, in that respect. That's what it means. So let's look at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all... Dear brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth uh, or anything else. Just simply yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Now, our main verse, the theme for this section, might be a little surprising when you think that the overarching theme of the letter is faith works, faith in action. But patience is seen as that action. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Faith seen in patience. So this word patient that you see there is actually a different Greek word than you see in other places. The Greek word hupomone, this is a different word um, which describes a little bit more full uh um, depth of meaning, and it actually has this word long-suffering, which translates to the Hebrew word when God came down and revealed himself to Moses, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, God described himself using this word, and what God meant in the phrase that he said is that when your offenses, when your wrongdoing is grievous enough that it would cause somebody to be so angry that they would flare their nostrils... I am still forgiving. It's literally a nostril flaring word picture that God used to describe himself when God said, I am Yahweh. So they take that and they translated it into the Greek, into this word. Long-suffering, waiting with forbearance, to persevere, to be long-minded, in other words, eternal perspective. And I want to unpack what that means a little bit, but I want to remind you, what are we being instructed to be patient about? What's that? Right! The coming of Christ! Specifically, James, who saw Jesus with his own eyes, heard Jesus with his own ears, watched him for years, watched the fact that sinners, that people that were not God people, wanted to be around him, that children wanted to be around Jesus. We are given this instruction to be patient as we wait for the return of Jesus. We should want to be with Jesus more than we want anything in this life. Now, this may be difficult because we haven't seen Jesus with our own eyes. We haven't heard Jesus with our own ears in a natural way. But well, thank goodness Jesus was thinking about us, and John recorded it, John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for us. He prayed for all who will ever live that will believe in me. So Jesus was already thinking about you before you were born, and he thinks about you today. And not just in some spooky, ethereal, non-material, non-specific, vague way. No, Jesus has specific thoughts and emotions and plans and desires for you and about you, about your past, your present, and your future. Jesus loves you. We know what real love is in this, that God sent Jesus for us. Jesus born of a humble birth, tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. Jesus, the pure one. Jesus that never sinned with selfishness or lust or anger or murder or violence or stealing or corruption or gossip. The pure one who loves you. We are called to hunger and thirst, to be patient for a desiring, a confidence, hope in He will return. If we're careful, if we're not careful, we will turn Christianity into, I know that the world is too big for me to understand and life isn't working the way that I try to do it, so I need something more and I need to feel better about myself and we hear a little bit of teaching, we get a little bit of Bible and so now I've checked off the God box and I just do some stuff, some actions so that I feel better about me but I'm not personally interacting with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How would Jesus feel if after all that He has done We come to God with a legalistic, transactional way of relationship. And a little bit passive, and a little bit, it's my number five thing in my life. Jesus did all that He did, which we remember every time we gather here and in homes, so that we can relate to God through grace. We can believe that it has been done. I can be forgiven. I can be made clean. There is a way to receive this transformative love. So we should desire to see Jesus. We should want to interact with Jesus. But here we are in this life, which can feel difficult. Because we do face very real challenges. And we are, each of us, contain our spirits in these bodies, these physical bodies that have limitations. And now at 45, though I'm a spring chicken compared to some, I feel my physical limitations every day. Right? Life can seem difficult. This letter inspired by God from James is to people just like us who are dealing with this difficult life. And he says, as you wait for the return of Jesus, and if we translate a phrase that's in here, we see just soon or near, what it means is it's coming quickly in a way that you don't expect. It doesn't mean five minutes from when he wrote the letter. So he's saying, have patience. And he uses the same word. This is interesting. The same word that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, love is patient. It's the same word. It's the same word we see in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 15, talking about Abraham, the father of nations. Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. And this analogy of the farmers is kind of interesting. We might not get it because not many of us grew up on a farm. Consider the farmers who wait, pa- patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They look for the valuable harvest to ripen. We wouldn't necessarily know that for Palestinian farmers to whom this was written, three quarters of their rainfall for the whole year fell between December and February. But he specifically mentions the rains of the fall and the spring, which were the most critical rains for farmers. The rains that fell between December and February were only minimally beneficial. For uh, Let me explain it like this. The, uh, the fall rains occurred just after they sowed the seed, and so it was critical for the seed. And then the spring rains, long after February, came just before the harvest, and they were critical for the harvest, because the Palestinian ground is still to this day hard. So he refers to rains that would come almost feel out of season since almost all of their rain would fall between December and February. This spring rain and this fall rain would be the kind of thing, and my mom, who grew up in a United Methodist Church in Kansas with family that did wheat farming, you would hang on the weather. There was a, what's gonna happen? And when the weather was right, the time was right for the ground and it was time to act. And he'd be like, you call all your friends, all the family, you know, pull the kids out of school, you know, boom, we're there, we're working, right? And so this fall rain and this spring rain, it describes something that people would watch for every day they were looking for, every day they would talk about, do you think it's going to come today? In the fall and the spring, they were looking for it. That is the kind of patience. And doesn't that sound opposite from the way that you and I use the word? Right? So, but it's also calling us with this eternal perspective. And you see on the screen, I have a quote. I don't even remember where I first heard it, but that you hear me say often, you are an eternal spiritual being having a temporary natural experience. It's true. And so I want to talk a little bit more about this long-mindedness, this eternal perspective, because that's what James was instructing them to do. And so I just want to use a little bit of a visual example this morning. So, why don't you hold on to that? You hold on to that. Okay, so if you're, oh, carefully, carefully. There you go. Okay, so let's, we have a rope stretched around the sanctuary. And let's just think of every little. Bit every little section, this one single wrap, as a moment, a season in your life of consciousness, of challenges and victories, of of different things, of you know, reminded today of how I felt when we were expecting Charlotte to be born, and. What we went through is we lost a pregnancy and when we were expecting Gideon to be born and I think about, you know, we were asked questions by people this week about, you know, college and school and think about the, the having multiple jobs, you know, to, because I didn't have scholarships. Some of you are more special than I am and you think about like, all the different... Think about each little section of this rope as one of those things. And times where we're grieving the loss of a loved one and times where there's great victory and great joy and a honeymoon in Maui and, you know, there's the charmery, right? You know, there's like... Which might have a few more of those. Right? So I, I might be a frequent flyer. Um, and what if this rope just continues? Because... In truth, if you are, as the Bible says, as God says, an eternal being, having a temporary natural experience, this actually does not end. Where Luke, or where, where Erica and Shane are, just would wrap around and would connect. It, it literally would be without end. This life, no matter how, you li- how long you live on this earth, is like this much. Of your consciousness, of your life, of your experiences. This much, of hold hold up, everyone has a part of the rope. Hold up, look at that. This, this is your life on earth. So, James in the letter refers to, we're, we're we're like plants. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. Life is short. Another part of scripture says, teach me the wisdom of understanding that life is short. So we, you know, today we're, we're praying for Anna's father, Ken, who had an accident, broke a few ribs, is going through a difficult time. Somebody we've known for more, Rebecca and I've known for more than 20 years, who we love very deeply. That's really difficult. And Ken, knows, cause he and I've talked about it, that's like this. Of all that. And Ken has made life decisions with his time, energy, and money, mm-hmm. being a steward of his resources based on the understanding that this life is temporary. Yeah. And that this life is this much of all that will ever be. Your relationship with Jesus is forever. And if I'm not yearning for His return Mm -hmm. more than tomorrow morning's coffee, which is saying a lot for me because I tend to think about it before I go to bed. (laughs) I might have a problem then maybe what I need to do is read a little bit more about this Jesus. Learn a little bit more about his thoughts, his feelings, his decision-making, and think about his return. Did you know there's lots of stuff in the Scriptures about his return? What will happen when he returns? Well, this planet will be made new. It's going to be remade. And the city of our God, which he has been preparing, will be revealed and will be available Pain and suffering and grieving will come to an end. Yeah. Death will no longer have power. Mm-hmm. Come on, are you getting excited? Yep. I want to see the return of Jesus, not only because he was someone that was cool and people wanted to be around him and so he was the groovy homeboy Jesus, but also because he is the one true king of all kings and when he returns, he will return in power. Yeah. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. And he is not a terrible person that we should fear his reign. Mm. He's the one true source of love, hope, peace, and joy. It will be a party without end. Mm -hmm. Hello? (laughs) We get so wound up. About the mess of this world. Putting expectations on each other, on ourselves. Dissecting our life and our world like Westerners. It needs to go A, B, C, D. You are not natural. Yeah. You are eternal. Yes. An eternal spiritual being having a temporary natural experience mm-hmm. that will culminate when Jesus returns. I think that's pretty exciting. James reminds them, we want to remember this letter is to the Hebrew believers who thought much of the prophets who were persecuted, who saw some answers to their prayers but had very difficult lives. And actually in the original language, the word prophecy is the voice of Jesus, the voice of God. We refer to Job. And of the Gideon and I were looking up more information, updated information this week about the oldest surviving text of Scripture that we still have around. 2,200 years old manuscripts that we still have. We got on this kick because we were watching a documentary about fish and crazy fish as we often do. And this one scientists went to this one library that had a 200-year-old book with paintings of these species that are thought to be extinct now, and all this care they were taking to be very careful to not damage this 200-year-old manuscript. And we have copies of our Bible that are more than 2,000 years old, older than that book, that survive today because God spoke. He didn't want us to be lonely. I mentioned that because Job in our current living copies, is actually the oldest manuscript, not Genesis. And if you are truthful about what scholars have researched, we don't know when Job lived. This is a truly ancient story. And what I find to be helpful, as a side note preparing us for next Sunday, when you read the story of Job, which takes a while, At the end, when God restores him and blesses him beyond the blessing he had known before, it happens after he prayed for his friends that were cursing him. But the Lord is full of kindness and mercy as we see in the way he related to to Job. I like, if you want to do some reading on the return of Jesus, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Lord Jesus himself will come down from heaven and encu- um, so, encourage each other with these words. It shouldn't be weird for us when someone is going through a hard time to encourage them and say, I know this is hard and Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. Alright, let's bring this down for a landing. What do we learn about God from this passage, this short passage? Well first, we definitely learn that God loves us. God saved us because He loves us. We know from the scripture that that's how we see real love because He sent Jesus. Well second, we know from the scripture what we're being told is Jesus will return. So we should live that way. Third, God rewards those who wait patiently. Nothing that we see in the text would suggest that people who wait patiently for Jesus are going to be disappointed. God is the rewarder. So how should we respond? Well, again, and what I've done each week is given you the quick version of pouring through the scripture verse by verse and answering these questions. So from the letter from James, how should we respond? Well, one, live an expectant, confident hope of Jesus' return. Two, live like this life and its suffering are temporary and heaven is forever. We should live like that. Third, be courageous. This perspective shift, this paradigm shift, this transformation of a spiritual experience with Jesus should cause us to be courageous, to be able to be defiant in our joy in the face of life when it's rough. Number four, don't grumble about each other. That's pretty explicit in this text. So even your dissatisfactions with each other are temporary. So don't grumble about each other. No gossip, right? But this is not a cynical hey, don't do that kind of a statement. This is a healing, caring, compassionate statement. And so today, if you have unresolved pain from your relationship with your father, God cares about you. He loves you. God never wastes a hurt. He wants to bring that unexpressed hurt from the past to a place of expression so that he can bring healing to it so that you can be free from its power over you. And that should help us not grumble about our fathers either. Now, how do we do these things that we just said we should do? In closing, well, first, what I have found to be really helpful is to read the scriptures about Jesus and his return. It helps. Like, let's ask some real questions. Do I believe this stuff? Does it matter? What would it look like? Come on, get out your intellectual shovel and put it in. Let's do some digging, right? Do some reading. Second, set your values based on an eternal mindset. How we spend our time, energy, and money is the direct way to know what your values are. What do you value most? To what do you give your greatest energy? Your best energy, your best excitement. And to what are you giving the scraps or giving no time and energy or money? So set your values based on eternal. What's going to last forever? Your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with people. People are the only, only eternal investment in your life. Number three, so I've already said it, spend your time, energy, money based on that value system. Number four, encourage each other with the expectation of Jesus' return. So if I look down and grumpy, and I had a grumpy moment at the beginning this morning, poor Chris and Justin and Dan were looking at me like, what's going on with you? You can encourage each other with, hey, Jesus is gonna come back. Jesus will return. That should be good news. Yeah? Yeah. Let's stand and close in prayer this morning. Oh God, we need help with this. It, It sounds easy, but it's certainly not. We need your help. Lord, and... There certainly is pain in this room today. We need your healing. We need your help with understanding what next steps are to walk forward in healing, in freedom, in peace. And Lord, in our flesh, this life is difficult. It is not easy. I ask that you would awaken our spirits. Awaken our spirits to life in this relationship with You. Help us to truly hear Your voice. Help us to truly see You. Help us to agree with You. And help us to take action in that direction. We thank You for it today in the name of Jesus. Amen.